Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Sports Radio 1019 FM. The Are the Knicks actually good? Like, is it time we have to start paying more attention to them over the last, you know, two weeks or so? The Knicks all of a sudden starting to play some quality basketball, and you see some potential. You know, go figure when Tibbs does what every fan has been asking him to do for a long time. Play the young guys. Finally, they decided to play some young guys, and what is happening? You're seeing... The Knicks actually play well, and it's not just the young guys, obviously. You talk about McBride, you talk about uh, Quentin Grimes, who had a another nice night, another impactful night. If you get him to be able to shoot the three the way he's been shooting it, that's going to be another element to this club. But, I mean, think about it. And I wrote the Knicks off for dead, like many other people, and said basically they're going to have to earn our trust back. Well, are they on the way to doing that now? where they beat the Bulls last night in Chicago, 128-120. And even with that, it's still infuriating to watch this team. You know, the final possession of regulation. Dude, what is Julius Randle doing? Dribbling the ball for 25 seconds. Like, why is Jalen Brunson on the team if he's not? doesn't have the ball in his hands in that particular spot? Get the ball to Brunson. Stop it with the ISO Randle garbage. But, and I'm not trying to pick on Julius Randle because, again, this year, Randle has been good like he was a couple years ago, which, coincidentally, the Knicks were a four seed. Now, all of a sudden, you're looking at it, Randle playing a similar style to his all-star year a couple years ago. He's had that type of impact. Knicks have found themselves with this win streak. They've won five in a row, back up over 500. And right now, the sixth seed, in the Eastern Conference in the NBA. Are they actually good? You look at the way that Tibbs has shortened the rotation. You look at having Fournier, who we all couldn't stand, have him glued to the bench because he's a terrible basketball player. All due respect. Cam Reddish got jettisoned after you know a couple decent minutes early on in the year, but ultimately you knew that he wasn't going to be anything of great impact. So the rotation being figured out and a nice balance with some of the younger players, like we said, with McBride, even Jericho Sims, a guy who I like, a guy with, you know, I think he's got good potential. But you're seeing Emmanuel quickly starting to have more of an impact. He still does some things that just absolutely drive you nuts. His shot selection is, I mean, it's brutal at times. But Emmanuel quickly giving you solid minutes. And as we said, so if you have... McBride, quickly, Sims, shorter rotation, more minutes for the big guys, and Quentin Grimes being an impactful player that he is. Are the Knicks actually good? I mean, Quentin Grimes makes a huge difference because of his ability to knock down the three ball and his ability to play defense. I mean, the guy's just a winning player. And I think Knicks fans who know wanted to see this, wanted to see him get some run. He's finally healthier getting a good run, and look what's gone on. And the Randall, you know, down in the post, double-team, triple-team, kick it out to Quentin Grimes, that could be an effective play because Grimes brings something that the Knicks don't have. He can shoot the ball. That is not something that is a strength of R.J. Barrett. Look, Brunson, yes. And I know Barrett was pretty good last night as well, 4-7 of seven from downtown 
with Grimes, too, but it's just different. Barrett, you don't trust when it leaves his hand. With Grimes, you do. And Barrett's been good. I'm not trying to pick on him, but again, we've seen this before with R.J. Barrett where he goes up and then he comes back down. He goes up and then he comes back down. He's a little inconsistent. He could look like an all-star on some nights, and then on others he looks like, eh, this is the game we took number three overall a couple years back. But with Brunson there running the show, aside from that final garbage possession, and his ability to create, shoot, score, all the above. It's a game changer. And with Randall, see, the Knicks are getting right now potentially the best of their big three, plus solid play for Mitchell Robinson, doing what he does, rebounding the ball well, being an impact defender underneath the rim. And Quentin Grimes adding another element with that three ball. You're getting, you know, Barrett again trying to, you know, be consistent. You're getting maybe the best that this Knicks team has to offer, and it may not be that bad. Now, is it going to be able to be sustained to be a sixth seed in the Eastern Conference? Time will tell, and nobody's going nuts thinking that the Knicks can, in fact, win a championship. And, you know, it's weird for me even getting into the Knicks to start the show, but, and we'll do plenty on the football and the baseball hot stove and all the rumors as well. But off of that win, which I was into watching that game down the stretch and seeing how they were going to blow it, of course. Now, they've won five straight. Maybe they've turned the corner here where it looked as if heads were going to roll. Remember the talk just a you know a couple of weeks ago was, ah, forget it, they're done again. It's just inevitable. It's a matter of time that Tibbs is going to get canned. Who will be next? Will it even make a difference? How are the Knicks going to get out of this? Who are they going to trade? What are they going to get? How could they miss on Donovan Mitchell? And by the way, a lot of that is still true. But their narrative about Tibbs getting fired, that's got to cool down now. And maybe with this newfound rotation that he's been using, maybe they can be a consistent basketball team to find themselves amongst one of the top six teams in the NBA's Eastern Conference. And, you know, look, if they make the playoffs, and they should make the playoffs. Yeah, I, I don't, I mean, the play-in, it counts as the playoffs, but in reality, I, I don't love that as saying it's the playoffs. I get it that it is, but to me, you got to be a top six team. And the Knicks right now are sitting in that six spot. If they can do that, I mean, what more would you expect from this club? With the talent that they have. And remember, too, they still have the draft picks. They still have the assets to be able to make a move, assuming that one does pop up. And usually they do. I mean, we've seen it plenty of times before. Now, they weren't able to land Donovan Mitchell. They've missed out on guys before that have been available for different reasons. Who doesn't want to come here? what they don't want to trade, whatever. Bottom line is the Knicks have not been able to add a star. But for now, if you're a Knicks fan and it's been ugly for a very long time, maybe you can start to look at this team and say, hey, they're worth our attention again. I'm not talking about the diehards who live and die with every game, even though the Knicks have sucked for 20 years. I'm talking about the casual Knicks fan that checks it out. Now they're lousy. I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to waste my time and energy. Maybe this team, especially with some of the young guys now getting minutes, maybe this team is worth investing your time in. And, you know, look, it's way early in the season. But we'll find out. I know Brunson's fun to watch. I know Randall has been good this year. RJ, everybody wants to see develop. Grimes is fun to watch. Maybe they're worth investing in. And it's such a weird, let's just look at the schedule coming up. You know, as we said, they've played well beating the Cavs, beating the Hawks. These are teams that, you know, the Knicks have to beat in the Eastern Conference. Cavs are good, but at home, you got to take care of that. Same thing with the Hawks. They can be dangerous. At home, take care of it. They did that. Beating Charlotte on the road, any road win in the NBA is an important one. Sacramento has not been awful this year. Matter of fact, they've been pretty good this year. And the Knicks beating them at home. It was not too long ago, earlier this month, where it was looking pathetic for the Knicks. 
and they've turned it around with five straight. And you look at the schedule at Chicago again. I know that they're trying to limit the travel, but back-to-back games in the same city against the same team, I mean, that's just, that's lame. I hate that. For, it's not baseball with these series, two-game series in Chicago. And it makes it more difficult. Law of averages. You think the Knicks are going to win two in a row on the road in Chicago? I mean, we'll find out. But I hate that schedule. At Indiana and then back home next Tuesday against the Warriors, who might be without Steph Curry, who got banged up. Anyway, a good night for the Knicks. And you just wonder. At least I was wondering. Maybe you're wondering along with me. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're like, you know what? I'll screw them. They Wake me up when they actually make the postseason when they become relevant again, and I get that. But for a night, it was exciting, and that's five in a row. Well, I mean, the Knicks winning five in a row, that's a big deal. Feels like it hasn't happened that often around here in quite some time, if if at all, right? Five straight for the Knicks? Maybe they're not so bad. The Jets, of course, making news today is something we talked about throughout the course of the week. Naming Zach Wilson as their backup officially, I think that that is a terrible decision. We'll get into why on the other side. Plus, this is my Friday here. I know it's Thursday morning, but I'm not going to be in tomorrow, so we'll do our perfect parlay picks, and we'll have everybody get involved in that and give you our thoughts on the Jets and Giants games. Giants with a huge game Sunday night, and you really can't just pick one game. If you're talking about the Jets game or the Giants, which one is going to be more important? Obviously, both those teams need to win these games here. Are we in must-win situation? No, not technically yet, especially for the Jets, although I know it's going to be more difficult for the Jets. they got to find themselves to 10 wins to be able to get in the postseason. I still feel like they might be able to do that their final three games. I don't think the Giants are going to get to nine if they don't beat Washington. Everybody's looking at the Colts as an automatic win. Not so fast. Not if Matt Ryan's playing. They could be a dangerous team. You know, playing at the end of the year, playing hard for Jeff Saturday. Who knows? I know they stink, but the Colts could be dangerous. And everybody's counting on that and the fact that the Eagles might not need the game, so they'll rest everybody. Well, I wouldn't count on that either. Giants got to go out there and handle business. By the way, it'd be nice to see Daniel Jones get a win in prime time. 0 for 9. Danny 0 for 9 in prime time. That's a new nickname. Maybe Daniel Jones could actually get a win in prime time. I know, I know. It's not him. It's everybody else around him. It's the offensive lines, the wide receivers, lack thereof. It's everybody else. It was the coaching the first few years. It's not Daniel Jones. But as a quarterback, he is 0 for 9 in prime time. Danny 0 for 9. Giants are going to need a win against the Washington football team that, I mean, they're at, they're not as talented, but they're better coached, which should make up for it. They played to a tie the last time they met, of course. Uh, you know that a couple of weeks ago. Well, we'll see what could happen Sunday night in that all-important game. But that basically, to me, is the make or break for this Giants season. We're going to find out come Sunday night. And I'm looking forward to watching the Jets and their defense take on a red-hot Detroit Lions team as well. So we'll get into the week 15 slate as you know you start to think about it here. Four weeks to go. Tonight, you got Seattle and San Francisco. But I wanted to start with the Knicks. 877-337-6666. Howie is calling from Manhattan. What's up, Howie? How are you, Sal? Good evening. Good evening, Howie. Maybe you could answer this question because your opening monologue, it actually took away all my thunder. Why did the Knicks sign a point guard if Julius Randle is holding the ball like that? Yeah. I just don't get it. Who made that call, Tibbs? I'm assuming I'm assuming it was Tibbs, and I just don't get it. Why are they trying to placate Julius Randle? You have a point guard. Figure Thank out a you. way for Brunson to set up a play for Randall or have Brunson create something himself. I don't need to see Julius Randall. And look, I'm not saying that Randall's not good. Randall's having another good season here. That cannot be the possession to close out regulation. It can't You're be. So and, and how many freaking so years, Howie? How many years, whether it was Carmelo, it doesn't matter who's here. How many years have we seen the Knicks screw up final possessions? They finally have a point guard and they still screw it up. 
You are so right. I got two more things if I can, Sal, please. Can somebody on that Nick coaching staff teach Mitchell Robinson how to put an arc on a foul shot? Is that possible? Is I don't there know. anybody there? Uh, I mean, crazy. I'm sure, look, I'm sure that they work on everything with these players, uh, and in particular free throw shooting for Mitchell Robinson. He's not a good shooter. That's not his game. He's never going to be. And uh, I know. Yeah, I mean, you hope he can improve and just at least make a few because you don't want to be a total liability there, but that's not we, something we I would – Yeah, I'm not going to anticipate also, that improving anytime soon. I hear you. I also got a Yankee point if I can real quick. Sure, fair. sure, why not? I don't, I don't want any part of Carlos Rodan, Rodin. Rodan, yeah, Rodan. I want no part of him, zero, zero. Zero. The guy's an injury freak. He's ready to get injured again. He had a good year on a contract year. I don't want a guy with a four ERA on my team. And I am a Yankee fan, and I'm a diehard since 63. I don't want a guy with a four ERA on a team who can't put four hits together in an inning right now on that lineup. You know exactly what I'm saying. I know you're a Mets fan, but at least you're honest about it. Me growing up a Mets fan has nothing to do with it. I can understand yeah. Howie why, and thank you for the call. I appreciate checking in. I can understand why you'd be hesitant if you're the Yankees to give Rodon – 200 million bucks, which is what he wants reportedly. I don't know this to be factual. I'm just reading the reports like the rest of uh, you guys where, you know, see, you're taking what you hear and and all the rumors and rumblings and, you know, the Yankees and Rodon were ways apart. There was a significant gap from where the Yankees are to where Rodon is. A sizable gap was the exact term that was used. And apparently the Cardinals, the last report I saw as I was checking Twitter before the show, the Cardinals won't go to Rodon's asking price either. And, you know, Rodon's going to have it. The only way you get the extra year, the only way you get that type of money is if somebody is willing to give it to you. Obviously, you have multiple teams driving up the price. Well, if the Yankees saying, well, we're going to be here, we're not moving from this, and the Cardinals say, well, we're not giving you what you want, then he's going to have to make a choice of the lesser offer. He's not getting $200 million. Do the math. I'd be surprised. And there's always one team, and if anything I overestimate, there's always one team that comes out of nowhere and surprises people. I don't think that's going to be the case this time with Rodon because he's always hurt. He's had two good years. You're going to commit six, seven, eight years to this guy? No way. Can't do it. I mean, maybe he gets 175. I think he's going to be looking at more like 150, 35 years, you know, 30 million a year for five years. Let's see if somebody could give him the sixth year, get him to, you know, or close to 175. He'd, he'd have to take that. I don't think he's getting more than that. And, you know, the Yankees are in a spot where maybe he'll come down to them. That price will come back down to where they feel comfortable with it and they go get him. I wouldn't say I want no part of him. He can make that rotation better. Rodon in the Yankee rotation makes it better. He's replacing Jameis and Tyone effectively. So it's worth a shot. It's not your money. What do you care? And it shouldn't prevent them from getting a left fielder, whether that be Michael Conforto, Andrew Benintendi, whoever it is the Yankees getting left. Rodon plus a left fielder, Yankees offseason, the heavy lifting should be done. Robbie's calling from Lennox. What's up, Robbie? Hey, what's going on, Sal? How are you? How are you, Robbie? I'm good. Nice to have you back. Hey, uh, Pat did a great job filling in for you. I just wanted to say, you know, I agree with your, your assessment of tonight's game. It's hard. You know it's how hard it is for me to watch basketball because Fisco and I talk about this all the time, sometimes how unwatchable it is. But I don't understand at the end. I'm going, where's Brunson? The other thing I didn't understand is, R.J. Barrett, what are you doing fouling with 46 seconds left? You're up by, what, six or seven or five at the time? And he's fouling, and they put him on the foul and stops the clock. Like, these guys don't think. The other thing, too, is like, they don't get the ball inside like Randall. He's got the ball. Four guys are surrounding him. Not one guy goes to the basket. I don't understand. Sal. He's standing there by himself getting double, triple team. Yeah. It's crazy. Right. And not one guy goes to the See, I don't understand something. Why don't NBA coaches call plays? Like, it's all just one-on-one basketball and three-pointers. Like, I don't get the mentality. Like, like I see, like, 
Mitchell Robinson stands in the corner. I'm like, Mitchell, get into the blocks, get near the paint. Like, there's there's nobody in the paint. It's so frustrating to watch. Well, the but the three pointer, the three pointer, yeah. as you know, and this is part of why probably you think that the NBA is unwatchable, Robbie. The three pointer is it's the thing in. I know. Basketball. It's just so annoying. It really is annoying. Because if you told me when I was growing up that my coach would say to me, yeah, take 34 shots from 24 feet, I'd be like, what are you, crazy? You're out of your mind. Anyway, i got to ask you about this road down thing, by the way, too. I agree with you. And I don't know what Brian Cashman's going to do, but it, evidently you know, Brian just likes this team slow, old, and unathletic. Every year it's the same team he's putting back on the field. And I mean, are they ever going to get anybody that's actually athletic and under the age of 30? I mean, yeah. seriously, when you look at this team style, it's a Well, they're going to play some of the young guys. I mean, that's why you're going to see a guy like Peraza, so. eventually right. Volpe. They had Cabrera last year. I'm sure he'll be an impact player this year for yeah. him, or at least be a part of their team this year for him. I hope so. Yeah, you don't and need I, young players right. all over the place, but you want to have some sort no. of a balance, and I think the I Yankees agree. will do that. Yeah. yeah, I think Peraza, I like Peraza a lot. But, and i got to ask this. You know, you and I are about the only guys I, I know that actually think Daniel Jones is terrible. I. He, Every time he drops back, okay, and I know the line's bad, okay, and it's so funny when you say, oh, it's the supporting cast, it's not this, but you're right. He always looks at the main target. He never looks off. He telegraphs. He's been quarterback for five years. He still goes to the primary guy every time. And if the primary guy is not there, he misses him. You know what I'm saying? You want, he just telegraphs. And I don't know if you can really teach, you know, I call it quarterback IQ. I don't think you can ever really teach that. That's something that's instinctive. You know what I'm saying? So, I don't know what the Giants Even if the Giants would say, hey, Tyrod Taylor, why don't you do our quarterback for a year? I mean, I read the article the other day in the, in the Post about signing Daniel Jones to a year. Do you think his agent's going to put up with signing him for a year? Maybe. I mean, are they going to have a better choice? Yeah. yeah, you know, what are they going to do? But I think Tyrod could be a, a decent you know, quarterback. I don't know. He gets hurt all the time. But the thing is, you really, what choices they really have? Jimmy Garoppolo, he's always hurt. I mean, really, there's really not a lot of choices out there. But, I mean, if you get him, a, you know what it is? He's a good deep pass. Yeah, but the Giants should be in a spot where they can draft a quarterback. I mean, that's right, right. They, they need, you're not looking for a stopgap because they're not any yeah, good. They're not going to have enough talent next year. And thanks for the call, Robbie. As always, appreciate you checking in. So what's the difference? I mean, if you could bring back Daniel Jones for a year, fine. I don't know what Daniel Jones' other options are going to be, but he's not going to have a market that's you know high. Uh, he's not going to be high in demand. So you look at what the Giants' options are going to be, what Daniel Jones' options are going to be. I'm fascinated to find out what Joe Shane and Brian Dable really think of him. They could talk about him in a positive way now, but we'll really know what they think come the end of the season and when it's contract time and when it's decision-making time of what direction they're going to go. I like Daniel Jones' makeup. I like his intangibles. I like his attitude. I think he could be a good leader. I don't think he's a very good quarterback. And, you know, I always have, almost since day one, maybe after year one, I've compared him to Ryan Tannehill. And I feel like that is the best comp with Ryan Tannehill. And the Titans have, or at least had, a better team built around Ryan Tannehill than the Giants have, or will have anytime soon, around Daniel Jones. And if they can't win with Tannehill, what makes you think the Giants are able to win with Daniel Jones? I would, especially at this point where they're at, in basically a rebuild here, I would try to draft a quarterback. That would probably be my number one thing, if I'm the Giants. I wanted the stopgap last year. Or, or I should say this year, going into this year. Just because I couldn't take Daniel Jones anymore. But we had one more year of him. Wasn't awful. I don't think he's the worst. When you look around at some of the quarterback play around the NFL, you could do a lot worse than Daniel Jones, but you could also do a lot better. And I would raise my standards. But Giant fans love him. I mean, Giant fans also think they're going to the Super Bowl, or at least thought they were going to the Super Bowl. 877-337-6666. We'll continue with your calls on the other side. Knicks get a big win. Are they actually good? Jets go with Zach Wilson to be the backup for Mike White on Sunday. What does that mean? And obviously a huge game. And another huge game Sunday night. Giants and Washington plus all the hot stove rumors. Yankees and Rodon. Mets and their need for offense. And Billy Apple, you had to be excited about what you heard from him yesterday. All that and more going to 5 a.m. It's Salakata on the fan. 
worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Sal Akata back on the fan, 877-337-6666 is the number to call talking. Really, whatever you want to discuss, start of the show talking about the Knicks and their win. Are they actually good? Should we start paying attention to the Knicks? And time will tell. And if they continue the streak, we'll pay more and more attention to them. If they become legitimate, of course. We'll be talking about them regularly, just like we did a couple of years ago when they were the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference. The Mets, look, I mean, they continue to impress, even if not making any moves in the last 48 hours or so, introducing the moves that they have made and then hearing Billy Epler talk about, I anticipate, this is Epler basically, I'm paraphrasing, Epler saying that he anticipates being on more media conference calls to announce changes to their lineup. So the Mets are going to add a bat or two. It's just not going to be, you know, as Epler said, the heavy lifting is done. So they got the rotation taken care of. They got the back end of the bullpen taken care of. Now they could try to figure out how they're going to piece together that lineup, the bench, all those things, and figure out how to improve on the offense from a year ago. And it is just refreshing that you know the Mets are going to do so. And will it be a big move? No, not necessarily. Maybe not right now. Maybe the deadline, sure. But Right now, you trust that the Mets are going to make the moves that they have to make to try to complete this ball club and go out there and legitimately contend for a World Series. I don't think you can look at the Dodgers as being better or the Phillies or the Braves or anybody else. The Mets with the highest payroll with a loaded roster, maybe not complete at the moment, but a loaded roster, they should have as good a chance as anybody. No no excuses. Not that people were making excuses last year, but it was still new. I don't think anybody thought the Mets would win 101 games. Well, things done changed. Now people are going to expect the Mets to win the division. And if not win the division, go deep in the postseason. The goal is to win a World Series. This team is built not to make the playoffs and roll the dice. It's built to go win a World Series. Results may vary, may not happen. But at some point, it's going to have to happen. Same for the Yankees. I've been waiting since 2009 to see them back in there. Joe is calling from Astoria. Good morning, Joe. Hey, uh, Sal. How you doing? How are you, Joe? I'm good. I'm good. So I uh, just piggybacking off your point over there, just wanted to kind of gauge. I, I know somebody I called in last night actually asked something similar about this. So uh, what do you what do you think the Mets should be in on, on the J.D. Martinez front? Like, uh, I, I get the injuries uh, last year kind of zapped his power, but – from what I also saw that that his hip injury was a, was probably a you know a prime contributor for that, and he also with only hitting 16 homers and he led to about 43 doubles too. So I just think that you know with all consideration the age, uh, I think the Mets can get a, a real bargain there, and, and if he does come back healthy, I think that could be a real addition to the offense. So just kind of wanted to see where you stand on maybe adding him to. Uh, a little jolt of uh, the offense going forward. Maybe. I don't love it, Joe, and thank you for the call. Appreciate checking in. I don't love it. I think you're looking at J.D. Martinez in a different way than I view him, where you're looking at him maybe as a guy who can regain his form or at least get close to it. I look at him as a guy who is washed up. The other thing I don't like about J.D. Martinez is his lack of versatility. I mean, you're wasting, and it's okay to do this, but if you don't have to do it, then I wouldn't waste a spot, a roster spot, on a guy who can't 
do anything else. And I know, he, I guess he could. He's just not going to do it well. You could stick him in the outfield or potentially stick him at first base. He's just not going to do it very well. I don't want to do that. I'd rather have a player like, let's say, Trey Mancini, who can actually play the outfield and play a little first base. And you can get a, maybe not the the peak bat that J.D. Martinez once was, but you could get an offense, uh, you know, some offense out of him. Martinez last year hit 16 home runs. That's not the power bat that I'm looking for. Now, the year before, and you could talk about his hip injury, whatever it may be, he's also going to be 35 years old. The year before, he hit 28 home runs. Going back to 2018, 2019, he had 43, 36 home runs. That's those are the you're looking at JD Martinez in 2015, 2017, 2018, 2019. Well, it's now 2023. And even though he hit you know, 28 homers, he had a good year in 2021. I can't take that away from him. Hit 28 homers, drove in 100 runs or 99 runs. Led the league in doubles. I just don't feel like... And look, if they sign him, I'm not going to go nuts. I just don't feel like it's the best fit. I feel like he is a guy that's on the decline. And if you look at the numbers, it is a... You can see the decline. I'd worry about him. And like I said, defensively, you know, what are you, what are you going to be able to... He's basically a DH. Play a little bit of the outfield, but it doesn't play it well, and he's a DH. And I'd rather not have that. Unless you were telling me he's hitting 30 homers a year, then I'd take it. But at this point, a guy who hit 16 home runs a year ago, I'm not taking that lack of versatility when there are other options, potentially better options, out there. Alex is calling from Brooklyn. What's up, Alex? Stop for taking my vocal. Thanks for making it. What's on your mind, Alex? Um, I wanted to talk to some Yankees hot stuff. Listen, uh, whether or not you get Benatendi back, which I think they should, obviously, I think Michael Brantley is a terrific move for the Yankees to make. Listen, he hasn't been healthy the whole season this past year, but listen, he's a 300 hitter, terrific hitter. He's proven to hit in the playoffs. I think this is a guy the Yankees should really pursue. The Yankees need somebody like Brantley. And whether it's Benintendi, whether it's Brantley himself, that's the type of guy. Now, remember, he's getting older as well. And, you know, maybe their time to get him where it could have been a real impact has come and gone. But still, last year, in just 64 games, he was able to hit 288. I mean, that's what you're looking for, right? From him, you want the contact. You want the average. The guy who's been a career 300 hitter, hitting 298, member two without the shift. That should raise averages, you think, you would think across Major League Baseball. But Ben, but uh, Ben Attendee. but Brantley, you know, you got to worry about the injuries. That's the issue with him. So I don't know if I'd go down that road because of the injuries where, you know, you haven't seen him play a full season. Now the Yankees could add depth and maybe you could get away with it. But after last year where they made all the excuses for, for injuries, hard to justify signing a guy that, that played 64 games last year. Right, and it, let's say the Yankees don't get Rodon. I just want to talk about the rotation. If they don't get Rodon, who else would you pursue? I mean, assuming you're not sticking with the rotation you have now, being that Tayoma. Well, there was the report from, I think it was John Heyman of the Post, who said if the Yankees don't get Carlos Rodon, they could pivot to Nate Evaldi, which I'm okay with, but that's a big drop-off from Rodon. I don't think there is a legitimate number two out there right now. The Yankees had their opportunity, which makes me think that they it makes me think that they don't really care enough to go do it because they had their opportunity to be in the market for Verlander, let's say, or DeGrom, let's say. I mean, it's not like the Yankees couldn't get these guys. They could have gotten them. The Rangers got DeGrom. The Mets got Verlander. The Yankees could have gotten one of them. They didn't. So now they got to go get Rodon. He's the next best one. And... If they don't, then it's going to be a drop-off regardless of who it is. I like Evaldi. I just don't look at him and say he makes the Yankees significantly better the way that I would if Rodon signs. And just one more point about the Yanks. Um, do you think there's any way to get rid of Donaldson? Would any team pick him up? If, if we, is there any trade value we could get for him? Because, listen, I didn't like the move in the first place. And now a brutal year last year. Is there any way we can get rid of him? Well, let me ask you. If you were another team, not the Yankees, if you were another team, 
Would you trade for Josh Donaldson? Absolutely not. So then why would anybody else, Alex? And thank you for the call. Nobody would want Josh Donaldson. Matter of fact, the Yankees could go to other teams right now and say, hey, you guys want Josh Donaldson? And be like, what do you, I mean, what do you mean? Like, in a trade? Be like, no, no, no. Just you, you take him off our hands. You take him and you take the contract. How many teams do you think would do that? Zero. Nobody wants Josh Donaldson. Talking about washed. He looks washed. $25 million, What a horrible trade from Brian Cashman. Just a horrible trade. Jack is in North Halden. What's up, Jack? Jack, are you with us? Jack is not with us. Oh, Jack at the buzzer. Sorry, Jack. You could give us a call back, and if you call back, I'll put you up. But, I mean, you got to be paying attention when I go to you. Lane is calling from Valley Stream. What's up, Lane? Oh, hi, I'm Sal. Hi, Lane. Um, so, I'm very interested in um, the Japanese butcher, Sadako. Do you think that the reports... Kodai, Kodai Senga you're talking about? Yeah, Kodai Senga. Senga, yeah. Do you think he has it to do well? Do I think what? Do you think he will do well? In the starting rotation? Yeah, I do, Lane. I like Kodai. Now, I don't know. I mean, I know as much as you do about what he's going to be. Nobody knows, really. You could scout all you want and find out what he did and watch the highlights and look at the numbers. But the reality is, and thank you for the call, Lane. Appreciate checking in. The reality is, no one knows because it's different. Major League Baseball is different than what it is. You know, it's different here than what it is in Japan. And we've seen guys come over and have success. We've seen guys come over and absolutely flop. I do like, though, everything that I read and hear and see about Kodai Senga. I'm not buying that he's just a two-pitch pitcher that could find himself in the bullpen one day. He might just be a two-pitch pitcher, but they're really good pitches. And guys have had success Pitching like that. I love, I'm love. i excited to watch him every fifth day. I think he adds a, another element to that starting rotation. We'll see how durable he's going to be. See, that's the issue. When you look at the Mets and you say, okay, well, is their rotation actually better than it was a year ago? What you're losing from a year ago is certainly not the durability from Jacob deGrom, But the peak performance from Jacob DeGrom. In other words, when DeGrom is at his best, I mean, there's no replacing that. Not Verlander, not Scherzer, not anybody. When Jacob DeGrom is at his best, he's the best in the game. So that is a loss. However, he was only, he only started 11 games for him in the regular season. And... As great as he could be, and he wasn't great in every one of those 11 games, as you all know, most notably the Oakland game and even the Atlanta game where he was okay, but he wasn't his peak self, which is what they needed him to be. Replacing the 11 starts, no problem. Replacing his greatness, that could be an issue. So they have to hope that Verlander's up to that task. Then with Bassett, it's the complete opposite. You're not replacing high-end performance you're replacing terrific durability. Where Bassett went out there every fifth day. He took the ball every fifth day. He was a workhorse. He was consistent. He was reliable. He was durable. And he wasn't bad. Until, of course, the Atlanta start and then the wild card start. So Senga is not only going to have to replace the durability, but he's also going to have to perform. And I'll tell you this, maybe you get less durability from Senga. Maybe he doesn't make as many starts. However, if he gets those important starts at the end of the year or just the postseason starts and does well, that will be an upgrade. And then Quintana and Walker, you know, the Mets are losing Taiwan Walker and they replace him with Jose Quintana. That's another one where Walker wasn't awful. At times it could be inconsistent up and down. Maybe look for a little more consistency. You have a lefty in there to, to mix mix in with those big righties. But you know, it's not like Walker gave you nothing. The Mets are not adding to a rotation that gave you nothing last year. 
they are replacing guys in a rotation that had value. So are they better? I don't think I could say that definitively. I hope they'll be better. Verlander will make more starts than DeGrom. Will he be better than him in those starts? I like Senga more than Bassett. Will he be as durable? How how will his performance be? Yet to be determined. 877-337-6666. More of your calls on the side. Whatever it is you want to discuss on this Thursday morning, we'll do our football picks. The perfect parlay a little bit later on. We'll have some fun with Marco and Emmanuel, who's in for Fleegs yet again. So we'll have some fun with that and go over the spreads and everything else. Jets, Giants, look, with the Jets, their issue is Zach Wilson. We can explain why a little bit later on. That's a bad idea, in my opinion. And the Giants, a show-me-something game. Will the Giants get a victory and turn their season back around, headed in the right direction? 877-337-6666. Salicata on the fan. Salicata back on the fan. 877-337-6666 is the number to call whatever's on your mind on this Thursday morning. Week 15 in the NFL begins tonight. Make sure you get your fantasy rosters all set up if you're lucky enough to be in the postseason. But one thing I hate, and look, there's a lot of things that I hate about fantasy, but the worst thing to me is having to make the difficult decisions. I like having a roster where it's just like, all right, well, I'm playing all these guys, and that's it. If somebody gets hurt, you okay, you go with the bench player, whatever it may be. But the more quality players you have or the more guys that you have that are like, eh, should I start this guy or should I not, that's what makes it challenging. And I found myself in one of those spots in one league that I'm in where there are plenty of options to play this week, and I don't want to lose based off of my decisions. I'm going to get beat, so be it. I cannot stand losing off of decisions that I make. That drives me nuts. Frank is calling from Matawan. What's up, Frank? Hey, Sal. Thank you for taking my phone call. Thanks for making so it, far, Frank. I, well, I, Sal, I listen to you every night. I, well, I appreciate I that. Watch you on FMY. I love you, Sal. I but, appreciate uh, it. Don't you ever get sick of me? I mean, I get sick of me sometimes. No, nah, Sal, you're the best, Sal. Mm-hmm. You really are. I, I think you, the passion that you exhibit uh, pumps me up. But I, I gotta, I, I'm seeking your opinion on... On, on certain moves by the Mets. What do you think about bringing Conforto back to the Mets? I think he could be the, the full-time DH and and be the fourth outfield and could give a blow to right field, left field, and center field to give those guys give those guys a rest. That's one. I, all right, let me answer one first, and I'll let you get to two. We got plenty of time here. I'm not going anywhere, and apparently neither are you. I don't think the Mets are going to have a full-time DH, at least the way that it is right now. And even if they were to bring in Conforto, I don't think he'd be the full-time DH. They just have to figure out where he's going to get the bulk of his at-bats. I like it from the Mets' perspective to be inquiring about Michael Conforto. He's a guy that has had some success as a Met. Obviously, he's failed as well, failed miserably when we last saw him. But there's potential there for him to be an impact bat in the bottom of that order or even potentially as a five hitter now the question is if you're Conforto Frank why would you want to come back to the Mets well that 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 you know if, if he can be the full-time DH and and be the fourth outfielder you know he he almost like Aaron Judge this guy needs to prove himself if he's going to look for the big right that's why I think it might be you might get him on a one year deal right but why I think you're right but why if you're Conforto would you sign a one year deal in a place where you failed miserably the last time you were there it's New York there's going to be immense pressure it's not a hitters friendly ballpark necessarily if you're Conforto when you're looking to maximize your value on a one-year prove it deal wouldn't you go somewhere like Cincinnati or Colorado or Pittsburgh whatever I'm not sure where he's gonna end up maybe even the Yankees although there will be pressure and it's still New York but a more hitter friendly ballpark especially for a left-handed bat so I, I if it were if I were Conforto I mean, if I were Conforto, I would have succeeded in my last uh, my last season, and we wouldn't even be having this conversation. I would have been signed to a long-term deal already. But if I were him, after what happened, I would look to go get a fresh start somewhere else. But from the Mets' perspective, I like it. What's number two? Did, okay, did he do better the second half of the, the last season? The first half was a disaster, but I thought he, he improved on the last yeah, half. Yeah, I, I, in my mind, I just remember the whole thing being a disaster. All right, so my point two, and the, well, I got two points. I'll make them at the same time. Francisco Alvarez, DH 
or or the or the full time catcher. DH. I think he'll be in the backup. I think he's going to be. I think. Well, I think he's going to be part time catcher, part time DH, but majority DH. That would just be my guess. And I also don't think it's guaranteed you're going to see him start the year with the Mets. I think he might start the year like Brandon, uh, like uh, Brett Beatty down in the minor leagues and then eventually come up and have an impact when they're ready. But I would look at Alvarez and look, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Alvarez does start with the big club. I think Beatty is for sure to start in the minor leagues. I think Alvarez is going to be DH and, and learn get groomed to be a catcher as a, a part-time guy. And my last one, Sal, and, uh, is the fifth starter for the Mets. I keep hearing about Scott Peterson, but I very rarely hear about Tyler McGill being the fifth starter. I thought this guy did excellent before he before he, he, he got injured. What do you think? Yeah, I think, and thank you for the call, Frank. I appreciate it, and thank you for the support as well, watching and listening. We We really do appreciate that. David Peterson, Tyler McGill are in the same category. Some people prefer Tyler McGill. Some people like David Peterson and his toughness. I think Tyler McGill at his peak. Remember, he was the opening day starter. Tyler McGill filled in nicely for Jacob DeGrom last year until he got hurt. I think McGill may have the higher upside, but I trust Peterson to be more consistent and more durable than I do Tyler McGill. But those guys are going to be factors, whether it is depth arms in the minors, whether it is swing guys in the bullpen, the Trevor Williams role, maybe Peterson more likely for that to be their long man, man, and then if somebody goes down, then they could slot him in. But those guys are insurance slash depth pieces in that starting rotation for the Mets. And that's nothing to be, you know, upset about. That's some nice depth. That's why everybody's excited about the Mets rotation, especially when you have guys at Verlander and Scherzer's age. You're going to likely need that that depth. So they're not going to have a spot. Now, remember, going into this offseason, I think, and I know me, uh, myself included, like I think a lot of people thought, those guys are going to have a spot in the rotation. Remember, the Mets had everybody leaving. DeGrom, a free agent. Walker, a free agent. Bassett, a free agent. You know, Were they going to pick Carrasco's option up or not was a question mark. So they brought Carrasco back, had Scherzer. All right, that's two. You thought maybe they were going to add one arm. But instead, they added three in replace of the three. And you still have Tyler McGill and David Peterson in their role that they were at last year. What do you think of the uh, perfect parlay situation today? You, you, did you look at it yet, Marco? I glanced, but I haven't really come up yeah. with anything solid yet. I have not either. We have Emmanuel back in. Did you do it last week with us, Emmanuel? That was two weeks ago. I think it was last week. It was last week. Did you hit? I didn't. I think I missed on a couple of the And you games. did hit. Did you hit the, you, I think everybody hit the, the plus yeah, three. Yeah, you're the Eagles, right? I had yeah. the Eagles, so okay, I hit the yeah. local game. I, got, I have it written down here. We'll go over it. So Emmanuel's on the board. McKeon banged out sick. It was an offer. Had a chance to get on the board with a, a layup. Ah, uh, how about that? He banged out sick today. So he will remain an offer. And Emmanuel gets a chance to, two weeks in a row now, maybe do some damage. I'm waiting on Fleegs picks. But we'll have some. And you, uh, did you come close this week? No, Fleegs came close. You got buried, right? I got buried this week, yeah. yeah. You got, <laughs> two weeks in a row, too. I was like one pick off. This one, I don't think I got anything right. Yeah, I think yeah. the only thing I got right was the Eagles pick. I think we all had an ugly week, except for Fleegs. I'll, I'll look it over and, and see where we're at and go over everything. But the perfect parlay will happen at 340 this morning. So you had a couple hours to look at that over. I got to check that myself. Uh, so we'll have some fun uh, with that big game Sunday night. Where are you going to be for that one? Home. Home on the couch, watching in isolation? Uh, no, because it's Sunday night, so there's no isolation on Sunday night. So, unfortunately, what I'll have to do <laughs> is probably watch about 15 minutes and then pause, put my son to sleep, which on a Sunday night takes longer oh. before the week of Why? school. Why? Because he, oh. he hates school with a passion. Mm. So, Sunday night's a bit of an... I uh, could relate. Yeah, Sunday night's a, a, a bit of a... A thing. How long does it take to put them to sleep? I'm learning this put them to sleep stuff, and it's like it's for the birds putting the kids to sleep. 
Yeah, don't go by me. We, uh, we uh, screwed up a long time ago. So, like, Sunday nights Well, now, how'd you screw up? Because I think my wife is in the process of screwing that up. Oh, yeah. Well, my daughter, I mean, she's two and a half. She's still, my. I don't know what my wife does every night when I'm not there. She's a mess. <laughs> my daughter's a disaster zone. She doesn't sleep at all. My son took, like, five, six years to really actually sleep somewhat through oh, the night. Oh, man. So, and he can't get through more than, like, six, seven hours. And at that point, he's ready to run around the house. So, Sunday night takes, like, uh, four or five stories probably lay with him for like 10, 15 minutes till he actually really falls asleep. So roughly in real time, I'm looking at 45 minutes in his Ooh. bedroom. So this is around like 8.45, 9 o'clock because I'm a terrible parent and my kids go to sleep late. So <laughs> if the Giants kick off at like 8.25, there's a good chance I'm not watching the rest of the first quarter until, you know, close to 10 o'clock. All right, but you'll pause it. You won't get any yeah. updates. Then you'll go down and watch it yeah. in real time. Yes. Uh, real quick, an update. Before Marco gets you updated on the on the sports, the thing that really matters, what's up with the catalytic converter? Sal, we got good news, man. Cheap? I've never, never gotten news like this. Got the phone call today, waiting for it to, you know, for my car to be ready. Yeah, got the you call. had a, a breakdown or whatever, catalytic yep. converter. I had, I had to put leave it, the it there a couple of days, catalytic converter at the either 1700 or 2300 right. depending on which one they got, factory, whatever, plus parts, I mean, plus labor and all that. All right, so I'm waiting for it. I get the call today. Your car's ready. I'm like, okay. And he goes, and your total's going to be 9184. What? I said, what now? And he said, 9184. I said, no, no, no. I had the catalytic converter done. Like, I don't know if you really know what right. you're calling here. And he's like, yeah, no, no, no. I checked, actually. As a matter of fact, your um, your warranty for the emissions, you just made it under 150,000 miles. It's covered. So all you had to pay was 91 for something. I don't even know what the hell he said. for. Once I heard it was covered, I was like, oh, I'll be right there. Oh, my God. It's a Christmas miracle. You ain't kidding. Less than 100 bucks. It is a Christmas miracle. Now, just under the wire. 150,000. I'm at like 128. So just under the wire, the 150. Hey. I don't care. Save you a couple grand. Easy. Easy. There is Santa Claus. How about that? And he's working at whatever auto shop that you went to. Look at you, Marco. Unbelievable. That, that stuff that, that happens to other people, that doesn't happen to me usually. That's so a I'm win. Surprised. That is a, now go take whatever you were going to spend on that and go roll it on the Giants Sunday night. Well, let's not get crazy. <laughs> I right. might roll it on the parlay. I don't know about the Giants. 877-337-6666 uh, is the number to call. Get back to your calls on the other side. Right now, let's get you updated. Here's Marco Belletti. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.